know, the Bible begins in the book of Genesis with the story of creation, and uh, God makes everything, and when he comes to mankind, the very first thing that he said to us, the very first thing he said to Adam, is be fruitful and multiply. And then we see that theme, that first command to multiply, literally throughout scripture, all the way actually to the very end, the last book in Revelation, where John has this vision of heaven and eternity. And John says that, you know, he, he sees this vision of a multitude so great that none could count it before the throne of the Lamb of Jesus and from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And what I see in that is that um, this, our first command to multiply is our constant command all the way through the scripture. And I, I believe with all my heart, we were made to multiply. I think about sitting around the picnic table in Central Park now, eight and a half years ago that summer, wondering if anyone was gonna show up, wondering if we would ever multiply and actually make any disciples, as the command tells us, to go and make disciples of all nations. And I think now I'm a little bit overwhelmed as we hear the stories of lives that came and found family, became disciples, and continue to make other disciples. So I'm glad we came. Even though yeah. I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> I'm glad we came. Yeah. <laughs> I came to know the Lord at the age of 17, and I found myself in a, in a Latin Pentecostal church. It was assumed that everybody, every male was gonna become a pastor. So they were kind of grooming you from the beginning. I, I think it was a weird place in my life where my ministry was growing faster than my relationship with God. And I was praying because I had to perform. And I was seeking God because I had to do things. So I was being invited to preach and, and with the band and I was always involved, but my relationship with God wasn't developing. And it got to the point where there was a situation in my church in leadership and we were forced to leave. And it felt like being thrown out of your family. And then we found Liberty Brooklyn, uh, I think it was not even a year old. I, I didn't see myself in leadership at Liberty at all. I, I didn't see myself doing anything at Liberty, to be honest. I could see myself sitting down and, and for many months what we would do is once the, the service was over, we would get up and walk out and try to get out before the crowd. So we were not interacting with people. Leadership was probably the last thing on my mind. And then the EQUIP program came up. EQUIP is our leadership academy at Liberty Church. Uh, we help train people to lead themselves and then eventually, hopefully, lead others. And because I had been in leadership before, I just decided to take a chance. So I just wanted to go through the program. And once I was in the program, I wanted to help out with the program. And then it turned out that helping out meant leading the program. And, that was not my intention at all, but that's how it turned out. How's everybody doing? Awesome. I want to hear a couple of praise reports. I have one about Anna, actually. Ooh. What? what? Um, so a couple Sundays ago, she wasn't leading worship, but she was on the worship team, and there was a newer member of the team leading worship. And um, I don't think anyone noticed, but I just noticed like what seemed like a few jitters. And I look over, and Anna is just like 
quietly, calmly, peacefully, not drawing any attention to herself, like encouraging her, smiling and mouthing the words and like getting her confidence back up. And it's just such a sign of a leader, like Mm -hmm. wasn't trying to take the spotlight, didn't take over, just coached and empowered her team member. And it was beautiful to watch. That, that's, that's a good example. Leadership is not about you having a title. Leadership is not about you being in charge per se. Leadership is about the influence that you have where you are, wherever you are. And Anna was manifesting her leadership. Uh, to me, multiply would just be you know, exponential. I mean, you create a leader who creates two leaders and those leaders create Uh, two leaders each at least, or four leaders, and so on and so forth. So you're hoping that the investment you make in people, they're going to take that and invest in other people. Hey, Dom. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? How's school going? You know, it's... It's been going really, really great. My faith before coming to Liberty, it was, I don't know, I had gotten saved in college and I read my Bible, but it was just kind of like an empty kind of faith where I was really trying hard to do what good Christians did. Um, Because I was in the South and there were all these people who just acted a certain way. And so I think I was trying to act that way for a while. And then I came to Liberty, and I remember one of my first weekends, um, Paul preached a message called Good Success. And I have no idea what the message was about, but I remember the Holy Spirit was just really stirring in me during that message. And at the end, I raised my hand, and I really felt from the Holy Spirit that, like, you really need to do this thing for real. And so it wasn't until I came to Liberty that I feel like I really actually, like, gave up my life to God. And once I put my hand up, it was never the same. Sarah and Dom met the first weekend of law school. It was like a welcome thing, and they met because they were both part-time students at law school. Sarah was going to Liberty, and Dom was not following Jesus at all, not interested at all. And one day, Sarah actually just invited her. She said, hey, we'll go out and get drinks later, but just come to this thing with me. And the thing was actually a community group at Panera Bread that was a marriage community group led by Brian and Jen Jennings. And so it was Sarah, Dom, and a bunch of married couples in this community group. And Dom really just felt that they were the most authentic people she'd ever met. And so she decided to go to the Soho community at that time. And when she went there, she got saved and um, eventually came to Brooklyn after that. (laughs) And so we would go out and like just be talking about God in a bar. And and over time, it became more uh, sanctified, I guess. I don't know. But um, we would just really just talk about what God was speaking to us and what he thought he was calling us to and what we were reading in our Bible. And it really just started to push us from we're just doing this church thing to, well, like, how are we acting this out in our lives? And I think the three of us, because we're just all very intense people, I think like the pushing of each other really kind of led us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Having that, I think, was the first steps in teaching me like what discipleship actually was. Personally, like that all starts with me investing in three or four people, and then those three or four people investing in three or four people. It's 
cool to see even what's happening within our friend group. Sarah moved last year to partner with an amazing organization to put laws in place to stop sex trafficking and she's getting involved in churches there and Dom's doing the same thing at Bethel. She's in the mission school. Uh, so my favorite thing is that actually every day that we're in school we get to have um, from half an hour to 45 minutes of worship and it's just been really really beautiful to have that time um, that intentional time of worship so often throughout the week. For me, I didn't even know that it was in my heart to plant a church eventually, but through that relationship and through being at Liberty, God really started to speak to me about what my purpose was, that what's on my life is to multiply the kingdom and to go to a different city and plant a church and um, just really see what God wants to do there and how that ends up affecting the nations. I grew up in, in Harlem in the end of the crack era. As a young kid, I got exposed to a lot of the uh, realities of the, of the streets. I was experiencing things like, kind of like gang life type of thing. It forces you to grow into things and experience, and experience things that you, you might have not been ready for. Before I, before I accepted God in my life. I, 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 my life had hit rock bottom. So my cousin Kenrick suggested we visit a community church and Liberty was the church that we ended up in. After about a year in Liberty, I was, I was like so into Christianity. I was just, I was willing to eat Christian food if, 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 if it was a thing, like, right? So I was willing to just wear Christian clothes and everything Christian. I said, I'm, you know, that's, this is it. And ever since then, it's just been a complete 180. Inviting people to church was just never a thing at the beginning for me. I was there because I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. At a party in the Bronx, I bumped into Rodney, which he goes to Liberty now. And he happened to see a lot of my, you know, Christian post on, on Instagram. I will usually be drinking and, you know, and just going with the flow of whatever it is that we're gonna get into that night. But this night, no, I was uh, drinking water and having fun and happy and, you know, the joy of God is overflowing inside of me. So, you know, I don't need alcohol. I don't need, I don't need women. I, you know, I'm good, I'm okay. So I'm having fun within that space and Ronnie approaches me, he says, hey, I see that you are, you know, following Christ. And I said, yes, I am. I believe I told him something like, it's the best thing that could happen to your life. And, you know, let's hang out, let's talk. He eventually ended up being a regular at Liberty, serving, and even bringing some other people along. Ever since then, I got to invite Rodney, and uh, Rodney got to invite Andy, and a couple other guys. I believe that my life has been saved. I have other things that excite me now. Um, you know, awakening people's hearts from, from torment or pain is, is now a pleasure that I seek. And understanding how to love more, more like God loves has given me just a new, uh, just given new purposes, new purposes I didn't have before.
you are free. Use your freedom that God has given you. Go out into these places where there are people that are just hiding. You might be that one shiny light that they might be waiting for. I heard about Liberty Church St. Pete through word of mouth. I went to one meeting and Jen and Brian both spoke and I felt so connected to the culture that they were trying to create already. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and I, I knew that it was the place I would go. Prayer for me became something that God really um, made me want to learn more about. I have a sister that struggled with addiction for 10 to 15 years of her life. And I remember just praying for her all the time and not seeing anything change and things even getting worse sometimes. I don't know, after a lot of struggle and asking God, you know, why things weren't changing, he showed me how his Holy Spirit like could involve itself. He reassured me, like, Amber, every prayer that you prayed over those 10 years, like, I was always working, I was always building up to this big moment. When God began to use prayer in my sister's life um, in a way that changed her from a drug addict that was struggling in and out of jail, facing prison, um, she had become a convicted felon at that point in her life. Um, she had lost a spouse to drug overdose and was just having just horrendous after horrendous event. When he brought down just every weapon of the enemy and just took it all just and just boom, threw it away. I mean, everything that was coming against her was just removed. When he did that, it caused a ripple effect in my whole family. It made my mother, my brother, and I just feel like we actually knew Jesus finally, that he was real to us, you know, and that he could change a person's life. And so after that, prayer became a way of life for me. I think prayer is a massive agent of multiplication. I think that, you know, even when it's been years <laughs> and it's taken faith after faith after faith move just to go forward that our prayers are heard our, our prayers are being carried out by the angels that God releases on assignment and and that's how he grows the body I pray that every life we touch God that we would be multipliers God that we would be people who reflect your love, reflect your heart, and reflect your kingdom mindset. God, that people would be inspired to follow you. God, that they would be drawn to your presence. God, that what we carry would be so addicting to them that they would want to turn from everything else, God, and walk straight into your arms. Amen. Yeah, I guess for me, this journey of multiplication, really Liberty Church, began at that moment in the Statue of Liberty in 2009 when the Holy Spirit asked me really the question that changed everything. And he, he asked me, what would you give for a city? And I guess in that, um, 
Obviously, there's a call to sacrifice, and we believe in the known for the unknown and in planting this church. But I really believe the DNA of our church was in that question too. It wasn't just what would you give, but it was was for a city. I believe it's important that God didn't just call us to a city or to plant a church in a city. I think the heart of our church has always been, let's be for our city. Since that vision has always been to know Christ and make Him known, I guess that's you know, begun a passion in us for church planting. And now that being for a city has spilled over, not just to New York, but to San Francisco and California and St. Pete, Florida, and Manzini, Eswatini in um, Southern Africa, and soon to be in London, England. And through it all, you know, I think this call to multiply is like a both end. It's, it's, it's collective. Yeah, we're, we're a church planning church and we're believing to serve cities and spread the gospel, but, but it's personal too. I never want to lose sight that it's not just a collective responsibility, but there's this personal journey of multiplication that we individually would share our faith and share the good news of Christ with others and that we would be disciples who make disciples. We chose the theme multiply for this year, which has been a, just a really, it's been a big word for me this last year. You know, disciple making is what underpins a true multiplication movement. Mm-hmm. It's not just about services. It's not just about events. It's not just about gathering. Uh, it's really, I believe the most viral, the most exponential multiplication happens at an individual. It happens at a cellular level. And uh, I thank God for what's happening, uh, but there's so much more. I've been thinking a lot lately about John chapter 6, where Jesus takes the five barley loaves and the two fish, and he multiplies them for a crowd of 5,000. And what was amazing is, is that it's gratitude that brings about the multiplication. It takes it from not very much to more than enough. And I'm blown away at how gratitude and multiplication are connected. And I think about that in our own lives. I go back to the moment where we were spying out the land, if you will, when we came to New York and I was standing in St. Paul's Chapel, completely scared out of my mind. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, Andy, these people are your people. And in that moment, peace flooded my soul. It was like in a moment I was sown anew into the land. I lifted up my eyes and with gratitude saw the people before me. And I think about that for us as a church. If we could just do that, if we could just take a moment and lift up our eyes and be present to the season that we're in and the people God has placed around us, we would see a harvest of multiplication in multiple ways, shapes, and forms, in people coming to Jesus, in multiplication of His love. We would see transformation in society if we could just be present to where He has placed us. Father, we thank You. We thank You for where You have placed us as a people. We thank you that you have placed people around us. May we lift up our eyes. May we see the souls that stand before us. May we live present. And may we see a great harvest of multiplication, of lives saved, of a harvest of righteousness, of people one to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, hey, church, happy birthday. I can't believe it's already Vision Sunday again. And today, this Vision Sunday, we celebrate eight years together since we launched weekly services back in 2011. And there's so much to celebrate. You know, our theme this year around the Vision video that we just watched together was multiply. And clearly, as we look back on the journey of our church already, we see that multiplication power of God at work in our church. And you know, I do believe, as we said in the video, that it's, it's right there. It's our first and constant command in Scripture from the moment when God says to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, all the way through um, to the vision of multitudes none can count before the throne in Revelation. It's there in Adam. It's there in Abraham, in Moses. We see it in the promised land and we see it in exile. We see it in Jesus and the disciples. And, and really, Jesus taught us how this multiplication works in, in what we often call the Great Commission. Where in Matthew 28, he said to the disciples, he says, you know, go into all the world and make disciples. That's, that's our commission. That's how multiplication happens. It's a disciple-making journey that we've committed to. You know, when he called his disciples, in the scripture it records that he said to them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you think about that, it's like a journey that he's inviting them into. They didn't know what that journey would bring, what it would look like, but Jesus says, follow me. That's, that's the first step. He says, I will make you. So it's going to be a journey of following, but that following is going to lead to some kind of a transformation. And then the transformation, though, has mission in mind. It wasn't just about them. He says, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And I will make you fishers of men. You know, we often say that the mission of our church, you know, our hope for every person who calls Liberty Church home is that they'd experience three things, that they'd follow Jesus, that they'd thrive in community, and that they'd make a difference. And so in many ways, you can see the parallel between those two things. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of man. Follow Jesus, thrive in community, make a difference. We've come to realize that really our mission is our model, so to speak, when it comes to discipleship. What are we believing for to happen in the lives of people is that we would come to this place where our following of Jesus and our thriving in community would lead us to make a difference. Discipleship's so important. I think when we use words like discipleship, I'm not sure we, you know, we even have a working definition of what that means for many of us. Is this just about, you know, Bible knowledge or, you know, to me, discipleship is simply an intentional relationship. I think discipleship is relational. It's an intentional relationship centered on pursuing the ways of Jesus together. And uh, I think this year, more than ever, right across Liberty Church in all of our communities, we're devoting ourselves to pursuing those kind of intentional discipleship relationships. And in the months and weeks to come, we'll be sharing more about that and new things that we'll be laying out, like discipleship circles, where I think we can really take our relationships and our following of Jesus deeper than ever, ever before. But you know, the, the truth is, this is not only about being disciples, it's also about making disciples. In fact, I think you can really argue from Scripture that being disciples is about making disciples, that the natural fruit of us pursuing Jesus is that we should reproduce it, that the natural result of us fully embracing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is it's just too good for us to not give that away. I think something's wrong, actually, when our following Jesus doesn't lead to us being on mission, to us making a difference, becoming sort of fishers of men, so to speak. In our day and age, 21st century Christianity, it's so easy to become really just consumers. But I don't think a consumerism type of Christianity is really what Jesus had in mind when he said, go into all the world and make disciples. 
We're going to be kicking off a, a series right across our church next week called Disciple Makers. Disciple Makers Made to Multiply. We're going to really press into this and I hope equip every one of you to feel like you can make a difference uh, and invest into others what God has invested into you. This beautiful both end has always been there in the vision of our church. It's to know Christ and it's also to make him known. It's to follow Jesus and thrive in community and it's also to make a difference. Even our values, we speak about love and truth and freedom and family, but let's never forget that it's also about others. I just believe this is our year to start a movement through discipleship that'll touch nations and generations in Jesus' name. How incredible were those stories? And... Uh... And uh, I, I just want to take a moment um, to honor Paul and Andy. Um, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, choosing to believe the best about every person that you guys encounter. And I believe that that's why when people come to our church, the thing that, that stands out to them is community. But the reason that this church has been able to build healthy community is because of the table that you guys set at the beginning, that you were going to be for all people, for every person, for every walk of life. And so thank you for saying yes. Thank you for showing up even when you don't want to. And thank you for making all of us better. And, um, whoo. Um, but I'm excited to share briefly this morning. Uh, we got an hour left, and uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, what? Um, but I'm excited to share uh, just briefly this morning. And if you're taking notes this morning, just write this down made to multiply. Made to multiply. You know, I, I think for me, uh, thinking back uh, as I prepared for this weekend, I was thinking about the moment that I got saved as a 14-year-old kid who the only thing I foresaw myself doing in my life was playing baseball. And when I met Jesus, all of that changed. And I remember struggling for years and years of, God, what's my purpose? God, what's my purpose in life? And awaiting uh, to hear his audible voice say, J.R., your purpose is to do this. And that never happened. And I remember I would go to conference after conference. God, I'm here. What's my purpose? And I remember being in seminary my first semester. And one of my good friends, Tommy, he, we were having a conversation. And he asked me, he said, Jared, why did you come to seminary? And I said, I just felt like this was my purpose in life was to go into ministry and seminary is a part of that. And you have to go to seminary if you're going to do ministry. And that's just what it is. And that's why I'm here because I want to save people. And he said, well, you can't save anybody. I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, you can't save anybody. He said, have you lived a perfect life? I said, oh, no. He said, did you go to the cross and then come back three days later? 
I said, no. He said, then you can't save anybody. And I said, well, why am I here? What, what did I sign up for? And he said, your purpose, everybody's purpose, Jesus gave it to us. He said, our purpose, no matter where we are, whether you're in school, whether you work in finance, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a professional baseball player, whether you, no matter what it is that you're doing, your purpose is to go and make disciples. And when he told that to me, everything changed. And honestly, a weight was lifted because I realized I didn't have to go to the cross because somebody already did. That I didn't have to come back from the dead because somebody already did. And my role, my purpose, our purpose is to go and make disciples, to go into all the nations, every inch of this world to tell people of who that Jesus is. And so the first thing I want you to know this morning is that no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is, you were made to multiply. Maybe you walked in this morning and you came to church because you're trying to figure out your purpose in life. Your purpose is this, to go and make disciples. Wherever you are, it's not always oh, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to work at the church. It doesn't always look like that. In fact, I would say that we need people who understand that their purpose is to go and make disciples right where they are. Because here's the reality. How many of the people at your job go to a church? How many of the people that live in your apartment building or live in your surrounding neighborhood go to a church? And so if, if the expectation is that the only place where people are going to become disciples or hear about Jesus is the church, then we've missed it. We've missed it altogether. But you were made to multiply. And maybe you're here saying, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you, if you've experienced the transforming power of Jesus, if you have experienced his grace, his mercy, If you've experienced salvation, then you have everything that you need. You have everything that you need. I love what Paul said. He said in the video, he said, uh, transformation, there's always a missional aspect to it. And and so if you're taking notes this morning, I I want you to write this down. Your transformation should always lead to transmission. Your transformation should always lead to transmission. If you look up the definition of transmission, what it is is basically a program or a signal that is being sent out or broadcast. If you look at the definition of transmission that we know of when it comes to cars, basically the transmission is the mechanism that takes the power from the engine to the wheels. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. We experience the transformational power of God in our life. I don't know about you, but I know my past. And I know that it took a whole lot of transformational power to get me to where I am today. And I still got work to do. But it doesn't stop there. Following Jesus doesn't stop at him making you a disciple, but it keeps going to you becoming a disciple who who makes other disciples. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole purpose of this faith journey and our pursuit. And and so 
our transformation should always lead to transmission. Jesus is the engine, and what he did was when he found me at my lowest point, he transmitted all of his love, all of his grace, all of his mercy into my life. And what he did was before I had Jesus' power in my life, I was a hoopty. I was a hoopty that didn't have any wheels on it. I was a hoopty that didn't know where to go. But as soon as God's power came in, what he did was he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to just shine you up real quick. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new sound. I'm going to give you brand new windows. I'm going to even throw in a sunroof. And I'm going to give you new wheels. Why? Because I want you to go and make disciples. Your transformation should always lead to transmission. And so here's my question. If you've experienced the transformational power of God, who, are you, who do you need to transmit it to? Who do you need to transmit it to? Who's the one or two people or three people in your life that you need to share your story with? Your story matters. Some of you are like, well, I don't know what to say. Tell your story. When people realize what God has brought you through, where he brought you from, that's all they need to hear. You were made to multiply. I think about the people who have been so influential in my life, and the first person I thought about was my mentor, Kevin Monaghan. I think we have a picture of him on the screen. He's Irish, and he's crazy. (laughs) And... uh, But when I was working uh, at a church in Atlanta, I came on staff, and um, I had just uh, written a song that got picked up by Worship Leader Magazine, and it was number one, and for me, I thought I made it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the next Chris Tomlin, guys. (laughs) And, uh, And I walked into his office, and he pulled me in, and he said, hey, uh, I just want you to uh, come by my house every Wednesday morning, we'll talk and we'll pray. I said, well, why are we doing that? Like, he didn't give me no context. He just said, hey, I want to invite you to come to my house every Wednesday morning to pray. So I went the first morning, and he sits me down, and he says, hey, you know, you know, uh, you know nobody at the church cares about what you did? <laughs> I said, uh, no. He's like, yeah, it's, it doesn't really matter. And he said, you know why? I said, no. I think it's pretty good. (laughs) And he said, it doesn't matter because that's not the point. It's all about Jesus. And everybody on our staff gets that. And he said, I don't want you to forget that. He's like, "I, I believe that God has anointed you, that he's gifted you. And the reason I invited you to my house every Wednesday morning to pray is because I've been in your spot. And I don't want you to make the same mistakes I've made. And so I want to walk with you. I went to his house every Wednesday morning for two years. And, you know, when I talked to him today, it wasn't just a one-way transaction. But he tells me stories of how, JR, you said this and it impacted my life. And so it was a two-way street of of, of him saying, hey, I want to disciple you. But him realizing that it's not just about what he's going to do for me, but it's also about what we're going to learn together. And we both had to commit to it. I think about the people in my wedding party, and I believe we have a picture of my wedding party. And, uh, and I can look at every single one of those guys, and I can tell you a moment where both of us have poured into each other's life. 
discipling each other in different seasons of life. And what Paul said, it's, it's about intentionally, yeah. intentionally being in relationship, pursuing the ways of Jesus. I think about Josh Kellum, who's on the end there, who's the president of a very successful um, agriculture company in the U.S. And when I met Josh, um, he was, you know, he was a very solid believer, but he had a lot of questions. And here I am at the time, a 24-year-old kid that he's choosing to ask these questions to. And I'm like, dude, I, I ain't got no answers for you, man. But here's what I know. You can take it or leave it. And he took it. And likewise, he's still pouring into my life. I think about Isaac, who is Tess's brother, younger brother, who was a former student of mine when we were uh, in student ministry in South Florida. And now he's at Southeastern University going to school to become a worship pastor. I think about Austin Hagen, who's a good friend of mine, who now pastors a college ministry of over 600 people that meets in Atlanta every Tuesday night. I think about Bobby, who is now, a lot of you know Bobby. I talk about Bobby a lot. And uh, I, talk about, I think about Bobby, when we met, we were both in a difficult spot in our life, but we were there for each other, just calling out the Jesus in each other. Yeah. And walking through the dark moments, the, the good moments, and I remember we were on a trip about six years ago. Um, we brought middle schoolers to New York, which is the worst idea ever. And um, <laughs> we're on a subway going to the Bronx. And I looked at Bobby and I said, hey, man, I, I know this sounds so crazy, but I just believe that at one point we're both going to be doing ministry in New York City. And we both are now. Yeah. Still doing life together, still discipling one another in different seasons. I think about Jonathan directly to my right who is a worship pastor in Atlanta, and Jonathan is my brother. He, he stuck with me in my lowest moments, literally the only one who was there in some of my lowest moments, still calling out the Jesus in me. And, uh, and he's a worship pastor now. I think about Jeremy, who works for one of the largest television companies in the world. The reason we have TV on cable is because of his company. And, um, and Jeremy, a, a passionate follower of Jesus, but when we met him, was struggling to figure out how his life connected to his faith. And all we did was create a space for him to come and ask questions. All we did was say, hey, let me call you once a week to check in and see what God's speaking to you. Answer any questions you may have and remind you of who God says that you are. And now he's married and he's passionately pursuing Jesus. I think about Danny, who's a good friend of mine, my roommate at one point. Some of you have met him as well. And, um, and Danny, we, we've been through some weird seasons together. We've been through some rough seasons together. Um, and, and, but I think the thing is, is constantly reminding each other of who God says I am. And now Danny pastors a community. He's the campus pastor of a community in one of the poorest zip codes in the country and seeing people week after week come and give their life to Jesus. I think about Nathan, who is one of the most sought after drummers in Nashville. If there's a record on the radio, he's probably played on it. But when we met him, didn't believe that he was good enough, didn't believe he was worthy of even playing at a church, didn't believe that God loved him. But I look at the life that he lives now and every moment, every place that he goes, he's telling people about the transformation that he's experienced. He's seeing people in studios give their life to Jesus because he's allowing his transformation to turn into transmission. That's what he's doing. And all of these gods, at some point, we had the realization that we were created to multiply, that the whole purpose of the church is not that we would come in and keep everything here, but it's the opposite, that we would tear down the walls that we're in and we would go into all of the world 
to share about the transformation that we've experienced. And so who are the one or two people in your life that you say, man, I need to, t- I need to tell you about what God has done in my life. And you can receive it or not. But I know I'm called to tell this to you. I'm called to share this with you. The last thing is this, is that we were made to multiply. We as a church community were made to multiply. It's not just an individual thing, but it's also a community thing. That we as a body of believers were made to multiply. I think about Liberty City and the amazing things we got to do last year. And um, Liani sent me an email of a meeting they had and all of the amazing things they're dreaming of for this year. And I, I, I can't imagine the impact that we can have in our neighborhood through the, the leadership of Liani and her team in Liberty City if we understand that we were made to multiply, that we were made to take this message of Jesus to go out into the street, into the neighborhood and share about this love, this grace, this mercy that is for every person. I think about one of the things that we're getting ready to do in a couple weeks um, on top of Valentine's Day is, is our community is going to do what we are going to call Love Week. And the Liberty City team is putting together um, just different things. One thing that you can do every single day of that week for somebody else. Good. And it's, this is an opportunity for us to say, you know what, we're going to tear down the walls. Yeah. And we're going to love our neighborhood. We're going to love our coworkers, even though they may get on your nerves. That week, we're going to choose to love them with the same love that we've experienced, which is unfailing and unconditional. I think about the impact that we've already had at the community center, but I know that there's so much more that we can do. I think about the school, and I I think about just reminding those kids of the the potential that they have, that the dreams that they have can happen, that they do have a purpose, that they can, too, be a part of what God is doing, and they can multiply We as a community were made to multiply. I think about what would it look like for our church to really grab a hold of that and say, you know what, what would it look like for us to do an evening extension service of downtown Brooklyn in Williamsburg? What would that look like to get a group of people to say, you know what, I really believe in that. I really believe in that, that there are people in Williamsburg who are waiting for a church, who are waiting to hear about the goodness of Jesus. I wonder what that would look like to say, hey, I want to I do that. Help, let's, let's, let's start something in the evening in Williamsburg because there are lives that are ready, God's ready to encounter yeah. so that he can keep multiplying because that's the purpose. I think about something that we got to be a part of yesterday in baptizing Steve. That's what it's all about. Multiplication isn't hard. In fact, it's really simple. You just need to show up for people. You just need to show up for people. It's not always convenient. It's probably going to cost you something. But let me tell you, there's somebody who already paid the greatest price for you. And all we have to do is just say, yes, God, help me to love this person today. Help me to see this person today. And so here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do is, you know, we have a couple other things we want to do this morning, but I believe in my heart that God's already put two or three people on your heart. Yeah. And um, in this hallway right here, our team put together this amazing banner that just says made to multiply. And that's, that's what we're running with this whole year. And I, I want to encourage you to write the names of the people that God's put on your heart. And every week when we step into this house, 
It's a reminder of what we've been called to do. It's a reminder of the purpose that God has given every single one of us. It's a reminder that he's already equipped you and empowered you to multiply. You don't need to wait on Tess and I to give you a blessing. You don't need to wait on anybody. You just need to go. You have experienced transformation. It is time for you to transmit it. And so I want to challenge every person to step out, write those names on that banner. And when you come back, it's a moment for you to say, oh, my gosh, that's a reminder of my purpose. There's my purpose. There's my purpose. And what am I doing to make space for them at my table? You know, as we were in the lounge this morning, uh, Rafferty, where's Erica? Uh, Where's Erica? She might be outside. Um, Oh, there she is. Uh, Rafferty comes up to me, and he goes, hey, JR, what's baphetism? (laughs) I said, what? And he goes, what's baphetism? Oh, baptism, baptism. And I was explaining to him, baptism is the... um, you know, it's the external expression of an inward transformation, an inward revelation. And I, then I realized, I'm like, man, that's probably too big for Rafferty. He's like, what? And I said, it's when you say yes to follow Jesus, it's the physical representation of that. It's you letting people know that you've decided to follow Jesus. And Rafferty looks up at me and he says, JR, I want to be baptized. And he said, I can't do it today, though, because my dad's not here. And, uh, and, uh, but when my dad's back, make sure we do it. I said, Rap, you're first on the list, man. But that's multiplication. That's multiplication. That's, that's our amazing kids team pouring into those kids, teaching them and letting them know, like, hey, Jesus loves you. And you can put your faith and your trust in him, but it doesn't stop there. Because what happens when you publicly declare that I'm a follower of Jesus, people see it. And that's what Rafferty was saying. He said, I want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus because the transformation that I've experienced, I know I'm called to transmit it and let the world know. Multiplication. It's our purpose. If you leave with nothing else this morning, know that you have a purpose in life that you are called to go and make disciples, tell the good news, preach the good news, share about your transformation that you've experienced, that nothing in this world can take away from you. Nothing can take it away from you. And so I'm going to take a moment to pray, and uh, and we're going to continue in the rest of our day. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I thank you for the stories of transformation that are represented in this room. But Father, I pray that we would leave with a new sense of boldness, a new sense of courage, and most of all, a new sense of purpose. That God, you have called us for such a time as this to go and make disciples, to go and tell the world, the people around us, at our workplace, at our school, on the subway, in our neighborhood, on our block, about the good news of Jesus Christ, about the transformation that we've experienced in our life. And so, Father, I pray, right now, would you put upon our heart two or three people that this year you're saying you're called to pour into them. 
You're called to intentionally build a relationship with them that is focused on helping them become a better follower of Jesus. And it's not always about what you say, but I believe it's more about how you live. And so, Father, would you help us to live our life in such a way that people can't help but see you? We love you and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.